Welcome to episode 24 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, welcome along to episode 24 of Iron Man Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going mate? Good. Sounds like your voice is going to break there. Well, I'm finally getting through puberty, mate. So after, <laughs> after all these years, you know, 29, actually I did this modelling job last week, mate, and they had to paint <laughs> paint a stubble beard oh, on for nice. me. So, That's a shocker. Shouldn't be admitting things like yeah, that. Yeah, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have said that. So anyway, <laughs> in this week's show, we've got our results coming up, um, plus upcoming races. Uh, we actually got a race, a kind of unique race coming, uh, sent through from Ken Wallace that we're going to talk about. Uh, other news is also coming up. We've got discussing our discussion of the week, uh, which last week was, what was the discussion? Uh, what's easier, being a top Olympic distance athlete or a top Ironman athlete? That's very good. And then we also have our discussion for next week, uh, age grouper of the week, high five for keeping your swim cap on, which Sean came up with, uh, website of the week and also Coach's Corner today. What are you doing, Matt? We're going to have a quick look at a lactate test I did yesterday, uh, just so people can sort of get a bit of an uh, understanding of if you guys go and get one done, how to sort of interpret the results and, and apply it to your training and racing. Yep, and uh, also we've got questions and answers, so let's get straight into the show. So last weekend we only had one big Ironman race, and that was Ironman Wisconsin. And John smokes Bevan again in the triathlon <laughs> trifecta. <laughs> He's was... got that in bold. <laughs> John smokes Bevan again. That's it's come, I didn't quite get the trifecta. Nah, so you let yourself down, mate. But I, I pulled that Marcus Foster call out. Uh, he came through on the run. It looked like a woeful day, didn't it? Yeah. I don't know if you had a look, but um, I just turned it on and probably ran around about 10 hours into the race, just sort of turned on the, the live video feed and it was dark and it was pissing down <laughs> with rain and it didn't look like a very fun day. On the video feed, did they have more than one camera angle? Because I did go on it and earn had... All I saw was the finishing camera. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, maybe somebody else can let us know, but uh, when I looked last year, I remember that's all they had. So, yeah. I mean, that's not really... I suppose it's okay, but oh, I suppose it's better than nothing. When you look at compare it to say the ITU stuff, I, mean, I don't want to complain too much. About yeah. this. It's our weekly, we should have a new topic. Yeah, weekly, we compla- weekly complaining. Yeah, um, but yeah, it looked like a terrible day. But uh, our mate Chris McDonald really decided to take it to them on the bike. Had a ten minute lead off the bike and um, couldn't quite hang on on the run. And Marcus Foster, who's a pretty well performed athlete, uh, I think he finished sixth in Ironman Germany this year, so he's no slouch. Uh, came out of the swim together, Chris blasted off on the bike, rode 4.55, which, you know, is not particularly fast, but for that course, it's uh, not bad. It's it's clearly 10 minutes faster than anybody else. Mm. And uh, he was out front, I think, till around about 13 miles on the run, and then yeah. he got caught, and uh, and Marcus Foster put about um, five five minutes into him. He was a slow day at the office. We only had nine people who would get under 10 hours. Yeah, that is slow. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it wasn't a strong field, and when you look there, did Catch a Shoemaker finish 10th? Um, yeah, that's not not just saying that there's a particularly strong um, Male strong field, field there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so good 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 battle for first and second, and uh, and then the girls catch a shoemaker took it out. That was quite a good battle with her and uh, Hilary Biscay. She really just took it on the run, uh, not by a great amount, six minutes. So again, Hilary Biscay, uh, she's raced heaps of races this year. Uh, so it's a well done on her on getting back up there again. And uh, who'd be third? third? Uh, Laura Jensen. Lauren Jensen in third place. So, as as we expected, you know, it's pretty close to Hawaii now. None of the real big guns were there. 
Um, but uh, and this race is always going to be like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's a tough course. It's a slow course. Um, yeah, well, t- the times weren't particularly fast. Nobody went under nine hours. And you look back at the history, you know, it's not a fast course, very, very rolling bike course and, and pretty tough run course as well. So, mm. and added to that, the rain um, obviously made things uh, probably not the, not the most enjoyable day. Yeah, it's a long time in the rain, isn't it? Uh, we also had Lost Sheep. Now, we, like this next few races, we couldn't actually find the results for, could we? Yeah, so we'll put the websites up there so you can go check it out. But the Lost Sheep was is a big race in Ireland. Yep. Um, half we had quite Ireland a few listeners distance. actually doing that. So, yeah, you guys went well. Um, so I got one of my fellows who did that and had a fantastic race. So you know who you are. So well done. <laughs> what was it? Got to say his name. Jack Lynch. Yeah, he, he had a go very, Jack Lynch. Yeah, a good strong day. And another one that was on at the weekend was Gerard Mir, um, which is a, a sort of three-quarter distance race in France. Beautiful scenery. If you ever get a chance to go to um, a race in Gerard Mir in France, they sometimes they used to have Ironman France there. Beautiful race. Um, worth going and, and trying that one out. And we also had one in uh, Switzerland, the Bondesi Challenge. And again, that the results may have been there, but uh, yeah, it was can, in German, so yeah. we couldn't tell. <laughs> so again, we'll put the website up there if you're interested. But we did have one race where we yep. found the results, uh, and that was the Iron Desert Triathlon in Chile. Uh, last week, we thought it was uh, Ironman, but it was actually a half Ironman. So. And, and now is it a run, bike run? Because that's what they've got here. Oh, you're right. So it's a duathlon. So it's a duathlon. So there we go. We didn't even find the results for a triathlon. We, we've had a great week. Oh, it's been sensational. We've but, done uh, lots of peas. But, let, but let's let's look at some of these names, shall we? Yeah. Sofrana <laughs> Sofra- <laughs> Zungia Pablo and took, go. took it out in 4.22. Oh, let's... <laughs> Dazi Edgetaro. The second place. And, and Gonzalez Bonet Leandro. Leandro. I love the way you roll the R there, mate. I've been doing my Italian, you oh, see. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to learn that. Chicks, can't, R. chicks can't roll their R's. Can uh, they? Uh, the girls are, all the girls that are doing Italian in our class really struggle to roll their R's, but the guys managed to do it. Oh, mate, you're a stud. Here we go. So, so well done on all you Chilean athletes. I know that we've got hundreds of listeners over in Chile. Oh, apparently thousands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was about it. We, yeah. we haven't uh, got a plethora of uh, results this week and upcoming races this weekend we, again there's not a huge amount of races but what have we got we've got well the spirit triathlon is another flipping ironman distance race in canada and montreal so any of you americans who are you know struggle to get in all the ironman races seem to fill up within five minutes yeah head up to canada and just about every flipping week we announce a different Ironman race up there. So if you're looking, just looking to do the distance, go up there and there's a, there's a hell of a lot of races. Yeah, I can't remember where I was reading this and which race it was, but I was reading of an Ironman race, and I think it's an Ironman sanctioned race, where they had 2,600 competitors. Yeah, well, Canada has around over 2,000, I think. Wow, that's, yeah. that's phenomenal, isn't it? 2,600. Yeah. yeah. It's very much what the course can, can take. Yeah. And, um, imagine, imagine doing that swim. Mm. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, we've also got Grand Columbia. Grand Colombian. Which is, what kind of distance is it's that? It's an Ironman distance race. Uh, and I think, looking at the website, I think they also run a race that's coming up in October, the Great Floridian. So they do the Grand Colombian. It looked like they did the Great Floridian as well, which is an Ironman distance race coming up in October. So so that's in the States. Uh, and so I'm sure a few of our listeners might be doing that one. Bring it on. And uh, we got an email from our good friend Ken Wallace uh, telling us about a race in, where was it? Yeah, it's in the States. Yep. And uh, you want to name Survival of the Swanagunks. Uh, so Ken says it's one of the best races he's ever done. It's an unorthodox triathlon in upstate New York. So, yeah, obviously it's in the States. Yep. 
Maybe we should read the emails. Yeah, we didn't really do a prep, did we? It's got 30 miles of bike. Yeah. It starts in the town of New Platts with a 30-mile bike uh, to a trailhead, and then you run up a five-mile climb, and then you have a swim, and then you run a bit more, and then you bike a bit, and you run a bit more, and then you do it all again. And So it's a bit of a bit of a mismatched race, but um, it looks like it's around about a half Ironman distance or it takes about the same time as a half Ironman. I think I think why Ken sent it to us is because it obviously appeals to our type of people. It's obviously a bit kind of different and epic yeah. in its own little way. And uh, so, yeah, we'll put that in the link to the show notes. And he, and he does say in there, it's a great race and it's a well-kept secret, but now well, it's, it's no ruined, longer a secret. You know, geez, Everybody's mate, going to know about it. The whole world. All the Chileans are going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so another news this week. Uh, I didn't actually catch up on this, but you're saying that Hamish Carter was in the paper saying being aware of drugs. Yeah, it was just a little article down here in the papers in New Zealand, and um, he's just coming out swinging, uh, sort of just saying that, triathlon's got to be very very careful of drugs and he says you know when he looks around he doesn't see it being a major problem yet but uh he sees a potential especially for the short course the young and up and coming guys are really hungry to get to the top and in short course there is a lot more money to be made yeah um and he, he thinks it could be a real big problem if uh, triathlon doesn't try to sort of nip it in the butt so interesting to see him come out and say that um but it's interesting with the drug thing is that like when we talked to olaf and when we talked to cameron is that the drug kind of agencies or the drug testing doesn't seem to come from triathlon organisation as such. It tends to come more from the governing or the governments of the countries that they're in. Yeah. So, you know, the New Zealand Anti-Doping Association. Yeah, which is funded like by the New Zealand government, I'd imagine. Or yeah, so um, it's going to be interesting to watch how that progresses because mm. uh, I definitely think the potential for drug taking is pretty high. Mm. <laughs> well, that's more ITU, isn't it? Yeah. Because we've kind of discussed the fact yeah. that no money... <laughs> but that, that's going to mean that Ironman athletes, to a, to a fairly large extent, might be able to get away with it um, because they won't be as strictly enforced. And, and, you know, the short course athletes, a lot of them are tied up with their national bodies because they get funding, whereas Ironman yeah. athletes don't get anything. So, um, yeah, it is a bit of a concern, and, and there's still no real strong sort of force out there that's going to be uh, laying down the law. So mm, we'll see yes. what happens there. Mm. And uh, next up, you also had some other news. Yeah, the Interbike is coming up in Vegas. So what's the Interbike? Interbike is a massive big bike show in the States. Oh, um, really? Oh, oh, bike sex. <laughs> yeah. So for all you, you groupies out there who uh, <clears throat> love all your bike toys, this is probably bike heaven. You know, it's going to have all the latest and greatest stuff out there. Um, huge, big big show so you can go out there and, and spend your thousands of dollars and wow. uh, it's in late September 27th to 29th in Las Vegas Nevada Vegas Nevada uh, so yeah we'll put the put a link up there as well but it, uh, I've never been but apparently it is just really pretty incredible see some pretty funky stuff and uh, might be able to pick up a few deals as well try it a few things mm-hmm Mm. Well worth a look. Definitely. And you're in Vegas as well, so you can live at Vegas. I went to Vegas last year. It was sensational. Yeah. I won some money, so I was happy. Uh, uh, lastly, we've got, we've got a calendar here, I noticed. Calendar. calendar. <laughs> um, uh, it's a lovely calendar. Lovely calendar. We've got actually, it's actually um, the girlfriend of a guy who comes on Epic Camp uh, from Belgium. Her name is Crystal Lawrenson. And uh, she's a pro athlete and she's going to Kona. And she's doing a little fundraising venture. She's trying to sell some calendars. And she's taken some pretty saucy photos of herself. 
Triathlon's a beautiful sport when you see it like this. <laughs> so there's a couple in, uh, couple in a wetsuit, a couple of running. Got the wet hair flicking. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, a couple with not, not too much on. <laughs> Lifting the bike, looking naked. Yeah. Well, not quite naked. But Bevan's getting very excited. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll put the put the web link up there as well. And uh, you can purchase the calendars. And, uh, you know, it's obviously going to a good cause. She's, she's uh, you know, looks like a fairly new sort of pro athlete trying to make it so help her get to Kona and uh, buy yourself a calendar I think it's a discussion we should actually have is ways to fundraise especially for mm. age groupers and also I suppose pros need to fundraise as well so Bevan's a bit of a fundraising extraordinaire oh, I love fundraising so <laughs> uh, so yeah so that's our news for the week so we had our topic for the week last week which was really just deciding um, we're trying to establish what people think it's harder to get to the top as a short course athlete, you know, Olympic distance, or whether it's uh, harder to get to the top as an Ironman athlete. So we got like we got it wasn't as big a comment um, amount of comments this week we got from Fagan. He was saying that basically he felt that it's harder to get podium place in Olympic size because there's so many more athletes. Oh mm. no, um, and but on the other side of that, you get more shots in a season, you know, because you can race maybe ten races a year. I don't know. Mm. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, Ray said that. He felt it was pretty much the same, mm-hmm. uh, and that was kind of a general kind of feel across a lot of, across a lot of people. Carl said that different problems, different situations, and so they kind of have their different needs. Uh, what did Elsa say? I was saying, depending on how, yep. So again, that kind of thing. And then TJ wrote in with Scott Swan this morning saying how he felt that it was um, easier, much easier for an Olympic athlete to get into a, like a world champs. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, what's your what's your sort of take? I mean, I suppose you haven't really done. Yeah, the I'm short a bit naive racing. because I've done a little bit of short course racing. Well, I've done one short course races, to be honest, and um, well, Olympic size. And um, I feel that I didn't do Olympic size because I wasn't a swimmer. So yeah. I knew I was never going to do any good at that sport because I knew that by being five minutes out of the water, your race was over. So um, for me, that was a harder path to go down. Whereas with Ironman, it was a little bit more forgiving on those weaknesses, um, mm. being a late... Well, I suppose most of us don't really start to our mid-20s in Ironman. So I felt um, that in that regard, I, I don't know because I haven't really achieved the top level of my sport. And um, definitely to get to the level I'm trying to get to takes a lot of effort, but I just don't really know what requires. So I don't really mm. have that experience. Mm. I mean, it's interesting. Um, I think it varies quite a bit from country to country, you know, in terms of maybe qualifying for teams. Yep. Say in New Zealand, I think it's much, much easier. It's it's it's, it's too easy to get in the age group team to go to world champs. Mm. There's too many spots. Well, that was interesting. John and I were discussing this on our bike class week about the American teams. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, how many slots do they get? I think it'd probably be maximum 12. So you've got um, a country of how many people? Like, yeah. millions and millions. a couple million. over there. <laughs> yeah. And so to, I imagine in America, if you can make the age group world champs, that's a huge achievement. Whereas yeah. in New Zealand, there's an oversupply of slots exactly. and in comparison to how many athletes there are trying to achieve them. So, yeah. so, so for a Kiwi, I think, you know, it's 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 bloody hard to qualify for Ironman, yep. um, for, for Kona, uh, and it's relatively easy to qualify so as an age group, you could almost argue it's a little bit easier yeah. in Olympic, but and as a professional. And I think um, probably one of the key differences is um, I think you can get to the top in Ironman with having a lot less talent than you can at Olympic distance. I think uh, Olympic distance is a lot more talent driven. If you want to be at the very, very top, um, I think it's uh, probably harder to get, not, not harder, but I think you need a bit more talent. I think people like... Um, I don't know, say Gordo, who's probably not the most talented athlete, yep. has done very, very well at Ironman. And I, don't, I think no matter how much training he did, he wouldn't be able to do 
to, as well, yeah. um, relatively speaking, at short course. So the thing is, as well, is that with the Olympic guys, they have to start young, don't they? Oh yeah, you've got to be a, you've got to be a good swimmer, and if, if uh, you've either got to pick swimming up very quickly, and if you can't, then yeah, it's uh, it's going to be very very difficult for you to do well at a at a, at a um, a drafting event, you know. Well, I remember it's, it's speaking to Bevan at your house that time. Bevan Doherty was around at Johns when we were talking, and he was saying that uh, he was a relatively late swimmer and he didn't start to his 15. Now, to me, that seemed like it was quite early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but there was, he always felt his swimming was a disadvantage for him. And yeah. He's obviously there now, but, yeah. you know, 15 to me, well, I started at 24, so <laughs> yeah. I'm stuffed. So it is a bit like um, comparing chalk and cheese, but. Um, yeah, it was just uh, interesting to get people's thoughts. Yeah, I think that maybe what we're getting through here is that maybe the amount of effort that goes into it is similar. Mm. You know, the commitment, you know, the commitments as an athlete, but maybe the talent is more the Olympic size thing. Mm. Mm. Very good. But this week's topic. This week's topic. I'll, I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> what, what, did I, what did I was going to say? That's right. Um, we're going to talk about drafting. Good old drafting. Good old drafting. Now, it was interesting because we had this. Um, with the Triathlon Professionals Organisation, which OLAF organises, they did one of their their first um, sort of voting. They had mm. the sort of poll they had was on I drafting. Mentioned this in the past, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and they they were deciding what recommendation they would like to take to the Ironman Corporation on on the, what the drafting distance should be, you know, whether it should be five meters, ten meters, and so on. And they came up pretty unanimously that it should be longer. Um, so what the question we wanted to ask was, what do you guys think the um, the best drafting Distances, you know, looking at it from a practical point of view and a, and a fairness point of view, uh, and also if you do get busted drafting, what the penalty should be. Um, you know, there's, there's different rules, different Ironmans at the moment, so, so we'd like to know from the athletes rather than the race organisers what you think the distance should be and what you think the penalty should be if you get busted for drafting. Um, yeah, yeah. Actually, we'll just leave it. Yeah, okay. So it's this week discussion. We'll maybe discuss more into that because I had some thoughts, but uh, mm. holding them back, holding back, holding back, back it up. Right up. Age grouper of the week. Beautiful, mate. We fucking timed that. <laughs> we timed oh, that language, well. language, <laughs> mate. We're gonna get the senses around here. Oh, no. We've taken off the air. <laughs> That's a great thing about podcasting. There's no censoring. There's no yeah. rules. <laughs> I love we it. We make the rules. So we. So John wrote to me and he said to me, "I want the age grouper to be someone who had a slacker swim, or well, not a slacker, but not a very good time, and had a great bike and a great run." Yeah. So I went on I'm in Wisconsin and I digged really hard, and there was only about twenty results up. So, so my age grouper went to to. How do you say that? Catcher. 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 Myers. Or Mayer? Mayer. Okay. Catcher Mayer. And the reason she got age group of the week was because she was the last name on the list because I couldn't find anyone else because there's only about 20 names on it. Now, she did. She may even be a pro, to be honest. The name does ring a (laughs) bell. But anyway. Oh, well, she did a pretty good race. She did 11 hours, 11 in the swim. 11 hours. That was a long swim. Well, although they were slow swims. She didn't swim 11 hours, though, did she? (laughs) (laughs) I'm losing it. Oh dear. <laughs> we, haven't even, we haven't even been cycling today and he can't keep his energy levels up. <sighs> One hour and 11 minutes. 44 seconds in the swim, 5.50 on the bike, and uh, 4.23 on the run with an overall time of 11.33.39 and an overall placing of 322. So uh, she. Catcher, you are our age group of the week. But if anyone wants to send through an email of someone who did Wisconsin, who had a really bad swim yeah. and a great bike and a great run. We'll bring them up next time. Yeah, you could be our age group of the week for next week. Because we don't have any Ironmans coming up, do we? No. What's next, actually? Hawaii, mate. Hawaii. Is it? Yeah. 
Oh, mate, you're, you're getting a bit oh, snack on it, aren't you? It must be. Yeah, it probably is. It is. What do you mean it probably is? I do my peas. Do your peas. Wait a second, here we go. Events, better be Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. What have we got? Yeah, Kona in Florida, then WA, Western Australia. So we've only got three Ironmans left this year. And Kona is, what's the date of Kona? It's the... Not till October. God, 21st of what October. are we going to talk about for the next month? Oh, mate, I'm sure I can talk. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. That's our age group of the week. One, two, three, four. High five. Okay. This week. Exciting, <laughs> so, exciting edition. Yeah, it's a beautiful one, this one. It is. Keeping your swim cap on. Now, we're talking about race time here? Didn't we're we talking me? about training or racing. Yeah, I was it's, more... It's more for people that have got mullets. You know, Bevan has a tendency, <laughs> Bevan has a tendency to have a mullet going. And you see that these people in the, in the pool, their mullets, and their caps are sitting on top of their heads like a Smurf hat. And it gets on my wick, so... That, <laughs> So, so the first tip is, first tip is, get a haircut. If you've got a mullet, this is more for the guys. We don't seem to get any questions in from girls, so I don't know if we've got any females actually listening. Oh, we've got thousands, mate. <laughs> so if you've got a mullet and your hair's your cap's coming off, get a haircut. Get a real job while you're at it as well. To, to be honest, one thing you do want to do, if you don't wear a cap, wear a cap because there's a bit of vanity here, but... It's warm water is so bad it for your hair. Yeah, and I never for my first couple of years I never wore a cap, and my hair was I've got quite thin hair anyway, and so my hair was just always looked straggly and horrible. And then I'm like, I went to my hairdresser and he said, "Beef, you should try a cap." And to be honest, I always wear a cap, even though I do have a bit of a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> so that's tip number one: so get, get a, a haircut. One oh one of a short back and sides. <laughs> uh, tip number two is if if you do have a problem with this swim cap. Yep. Um, you know, there's obviously good swim caps and there's crap swim caps. So get a decent silicon one. They tend to um, last a little bit longer and not stretch as much. So get a nice silicon one versus a uh, one of the sort of cheaper rubber ones. And the other thing with that is that I do have the cheaper rubber ones because yeah, exactly. I'm cheap. But yeah, um, I have had silicon ones, and the silicon ones are so much nicer to put on. Yeah. And exactly. if you do have a lot of hair like me, um, the, the cheap rubber ones seem to pull your hair a lot as you put yep. them on. So yeah. Yeah. And, and also just look for ones that have got a little bit of a grip mark around the, the bottom of it, uh, and they just t- tend to last a little bit longer and, and grip a little bit better. I can't justify spending 30 bucks for a cap. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do the next one? Okay, so um, it's a good idea to put the cap on while your hair is dry. So yeah, You just, see some people jumping in and then putting the caps on. It's not a good technique. Yeah, yeah, it definitely isn't. Number four, make sure you pull the cap right down. So don't start with that smurf smurf look from the outset <laughs> make sure it's pulled down you want to have it um so it covers the majority of your forehead and also comes down over your ears it's good to just have a little bit of a break under your ears so you can hear what the coach is saying yeah and also um, otherwise water gets stuck in there as well yeah so yeah. but pull it right down so you don't have a big bubble on top and uh <clears throat> and that should help as well i don't get this last one you don't get the last uh, what last one this is more for obviously if you're um you know for for, for training rather than um than racing if, you, if you've had problems in the past when you dive in and your cap goes up straight away, then just obviously jump into the pool first. Oh, okay. And uh, so, so jump in versus uh, diving in at the start. I'll push start, okay. So then have a push start off the wall. Um, so, just with that, with racing, put your goggles on underneath your so cap. Here he goes again. It's high oh. five. It's now high six. <laughs> but when you do a race, because it's quite intense, and so people can grab your goggles yeah. um, and your goggles to fall off, and that's quite stressful, and you lose a lot of time mucking around with that crap. So... If um, you put your goggles underneath and then put your swim cap on next, then you won't have a problem with people grabbing your goggles. And if you're wearing a skull cap, that's even yeah. better. Or you can do what I do and don't wear goggles. <laughs> oh, whatever. I don't. When you race. I don't wear goggles. Really? I never wear goggles. The only time I wear goggles is in, say, in Hawaii. 
But whenever I used to race short course, uh, 1,500 metres, I never wear goggles. Uh, I never wear goggles in lake swims. If I was doing a, an Ironman or a half, I probably wouldn't wear them in a half, but uh, in, at Kona I would because, you know, he's 4K. So salty. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but you know, you know, goggles is fresh water in Taupo. But, like, I like to look at the bottom and see oh. what's... Okay, you can't be concentrating hard enough. <laughs> you just got to follow the bubbles. That's all you got to do. There we go. Well, there you go. So that's our high five of the week. Website of the week. Oh, it's nice and soothing this <laughs> week. We picked some soothing music. Oh, it's beautiful. Website of the week. So we got sent through from our Matthew, listener. I think. Yeah, it was too. Oh, Matthew, he sent us a website. He didn't send the question until late in the week. I was worried he wasn't going to send us his question, but he did. Mm. And at the same time, he sent us through a website called marathonguide.com. It's a good one. I had a very quick flick through it yesterday. And um, I always get a bit worried about some of these things, thinking, oh, they're just going to be American. Um, yeah. Races and it's not going to be anything for all our listeners in all the different parts of the world, Scandinavia and England and, and Chile, yeah, the and uh, Australia and New Zealand. <laughs> but this one was actually good. It had seemed to have a really good selection of marathons from all around the uh, all around the world. Also had some um, looked like had some forum sort of stuff and tips and so on. So it's uh, well worth a, a look. Obviously, a lot of you guys are coming to the end of your seasons now, and uh, you know you're probably looking to focus on something else over winter. A marathon's a good thing to do. Yeah. I think they are. Yep, definitely. Plenty of running races are good. And uh, is the marathon too long? No, well, it kind of depends when you, your Ironman is. At the start. If you if you've got an early season Ironman, then it may be a little bit too long. But yep. if, if you're um, you know, you're looking for a late season Ironman or a middle of the year sort of July August Ironman, then there's no problem doing some some marathons sort of maybe in um, January February something like that. And it's probably a really good thing for those people who aren't strong runners to be focusing on in their off season. You know, oh, because totally. it's definitely gonna make you a better runner. So, yeah, mm. so, so that's our website of the week. Thanks for that, Matthew. It was a good one. Yeah, it was a good one. Okay, uh, that's it. Coach's Corner. Oh, do we have music for Coach's Corner? Yeah, we need some music. Okay. Come on, let's find something. Wait a second. You guys, wait. You're excited now, aren't you? <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> How's that intro? I love oh, it. It's Coach's Corner. Coach's Corner. <laughs> I just got so excited about that music. It's fantastic. Oh, we just keep delivering, don't we, eh? Dolly Parton oh, was in, yeah. in the house. Oh, Kenny and Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Right, this week, or yesterday, I did a lactate test, a running lactate test. Uh, so I thought I'd go through the go through that with people. Um, I'll put it up on a link up on my website so people can have a look at it. Now, we have actually mentioned lactates early on in the podcast as well, so yeah. it's be good to actually cover this again. So um, just a, a quickly to go over the protocol I, I used, it was on a treadmill. Uh, I did a five-minute warm-up at 11k an hour, which for me is um, very, very easy. And then uh, Speed demon. Speed <laughs> And then four-minute increments where I picked up the pace at one kilometre per hour until I reached 17 kilometres per hour, and then I increased the gradient. Uh, I was running at 2%... For, um, Two percent gradient up to seventeen k an hour, and then I increased it by two percent uh, each increment after that. Um, it's really important when you're doing these. Um, you, you'll notice when you see this, I did have quite a few steps. Um, often when you get lactate tests done, people start you perhaps a little bit too high. Um, for Ironman athletes, it's, it's really important to get all those lower zones done, and then you can really establish your steady zone because that's what's going to dictate your your sort of racing pace. So 
Um, you'll see that my curve is very flat and quite long along the bottom, which is which is uh, really important to, to see. One thing with that, just to be, be a bit rude there, but um, a friend of mine did the test and started too high and it didn't work because yeah. they started too high in the test, so it is really important to start yeah. low. So just just make that point if you are booking with somebody saying, look, I'm an Ironman athlete, I really need to work on my lower zones. Yes, my threshold point's important, uh, lactate threshold that is, uh, but I really want to have as many samples as you possibly can. So um, just to run you through sort of how things work for me, uh, at the first four minutes my heart rate was 110 and that was at uh, 12 kilometres per hour and my lactate was 2.1. Next went up to eight minutes, my heart rate went up to 116. My lactate actually dropped which is, is perfectly normal, it came down to 1.9 and that was at 13k an hour. Then uh, up, up another four minutes, my heart rate went up to 121 and my lactate continued to come down to 1.8, that was at 14k's an hour. Next step, it went up to 131. My lactate started to go up to 2. Uh, and then next step, went up to 145. My lactate went up to 2.3. Next step was 157 heart rate, 3.1 lactate. And that was when I was at 17k an hour. Uh, so still well below my threshold there. Next step, went up to 159. Lactate went up to 4.1. So it's starting to lift now, isn't it? And uh, for the, the 4 figure is really what you're looking for. That's um, you sort of around your lactate threshold. So I was at my lactate threshold at 17k an hour and at 4% gradient. <clears throat> Next step, I went up to 165. My lactate went up to 5.8. That was at 6% going 17k an hour. Next step, I went up to 170. My lactate was 9.1 and I was at 17k an hour and at 8%. Now, I didn't quite go to max. I was pretty close. I probably could have almost gone one stage further, but um, wasn't really going to. No, once you go over the point, there's no Yeah, it's it wasn't really going to, I mean, it was going to be nice to go, I, that I can get a really nice high lactate figure, but it wasn't really going to help me with my training, so I pulled the pin there. So it was a 36-minute test in total, plus my warm-up. My warm-up was five minutes at 11k an hour. Um, so what that really means to me is, um, if you're looking at this at the same time as listening, is uh, if you look at my lactate curve, very, very flat for quite a long period. Um, reason for that is I've been doing the sport for a very, very long time. And um, I'm, I'm very efficient at my lower zones. So the resulting heart rate zones that I've got for myself, uh, my easy zone is less than 124 beats. I've got a very big steady zone because I'm efficient in that period. Uh, it's 124 to 142. My moderately hard is 142 to 156. My hard is 156 to 162. And my very hard is greater than 162. What does all that mean? Um, and how do you sort of calculate that yourself? Your hard zone is basically um, it's sort of around the point where you break through four millimoles of lactate, and most people can can hold that for you know, some people sort of between sixty and and ninety minutes. Um, the steady zone is the most important, and, and where you sort of identify your steady zone is really where your lactate just slowly starts to lift. So what you'll find is generally your first point. Um, at the start of the test uh, will be up a little bit and then it'll start to come down so you're still in your easy zone as you, you as your lactate slowly starts to go up that's really where your steady zone um, starts and then when it starts to go up a little bit quicker that's really where your moderately hard zone starts so my steady zone is 124 to 142 now when I go and do an Ironman race um, that's pretty much the heart rate I'll be sitting at I'll be sitting at around about 140 um, maybe marginally above, um, not too much lower than that. So that's what I mean when I'm talking about steady, the top end of your steady 
for, for relatively experienced athletes is going to be your Ironman pace. Okay, so for someone who's not an experienced athlete, which I imagine a lot of our listeners are, you want to be pitching a little bit lower. lower you want, want to be a little bit conservative. Um, Especially on the bike. Yeah, so you want to be in the steady zone, but probably if it's your first Ironman, you want to be sort of lower steady. You're a little bit more experienced, sort of mid-steady. Yep. And if you're relatively experienced and done a few races, then you can sort of sit and generally sit in your sort of upper steady. Yeah. Um, to give you guys some ideas, I mean, um, on I've, I've actually done a few running races recently. Um, my 10K uh, average was 169, which indicates that I'm well into my uh, very hard zone for 10K. Mm. And my 5K average is 175. So it's really important that when... And, uh, so when do you start to lose it on those runs? Like, do you, are you able to maintain? You know, do you feel your legs starting to give up? Oh yeah, um, that's pretty much a, a maximum effort. Yeah, um, and I'm probably at the moment around about I don't know, sort of thirty three and a half k, ten minute k pace, something yep. like that. Um, so it's really important that when you, you somebody says to you hard, go hard. Hard really means you know. You're going at a pace that you can maintain for sort of 60 to 90 minutes. Often when I say to people to go hard, they just go out there and yeah, they're just 30 seconds later. <laughs> throwing up. Um, so, so hard is really sort of round about, you'll say, your 10-mile pace, your 15K pace, yep. and very hard is more sort of your, your between your 3 and 10K pace. So that's pretty important to realize. And steady is Ironman pace, and, and moderately hard is more your sort of half Ironman pace. And with the, within a big training ride, for example, um, you'll have periods where you do a bit of everything, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So um, in my, my training rides, I'll generally be sticking uh, in that steady zone, low, sort of lower steady zone when we're just cruising. Yep. And then uh, when we're doing our interval stuff, then I'll sort of try to lift it up into the sort of upper steady and yep. then do some shorter stuff sort of in moderately hard. It's really important to realize, though, that you should never just use heart rate as one single indicator. I find it, you know, a personal point of view, I find it um, very easy to stick to my heart rates when I'm running. Biking often a lot harder to get your heart rate up, especially if you're in a heavy period of training. So yeah. um, we're going to come onto that a little bit later with some power stuff. Um, that's the most accurate measure you can have. Yeah. Um, but so use heart rate in conjunction with um, your perceived effort. And if you are in a heavy period of training, do realize that your heart rate's going to be just a little bit down. Yeah. So um, have a look at my results and um, you know compare it to your own results and uh, in terms of the zones I use and uh, and hopefully that's of some use for you. Just one thing with that, guys. Testing is really really important because um, you, like you might have all these tools, you might have your power meters and your heart rate monitors and stuff, but if you don't have your testing done first, what's mm. the point? Because you don't really know what your zones are, and uh, to, you know you might think, well, John's are these zones, so I'll try to work with that, but that's really yeah. not relevant. You really got to focus on what where you are at. And then base it on that. Doing the old uh, 220 minus your age doesn't, doesn't no, really cut the mustard. No. Um, and especially if you're very early on, this sort of do, doing a test like this is really going to set the tone for things. So then, you know, you can match your reality up with what is actually happening with your body. Often, when I get you know inexperienced athletes to do this, you're asking them the perceived effort as they go through, and their perceived effort isn't actually matching up with what their body's doing. Yeah. So it helps you set your zones. Do it. Um, you know, you don't want to do it when you're, you're unfit. You want to do it in one of your easier weeks um, when you've got a reasonable level of fitness. Um, you know, probably early on in your build. You mean more like tired? Don't you mean the set of fitness? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so give it a crack. Most places you can generally find most places around the world will do. This is a pretty standard sort of test. Yeah. Um, come down New Zealand. It's pretty pretty cheap. Yep. Good value. You can also get it done with your power meter as well too, can't you? Yep. You yeah. can get it done on the bike. 
and we talked a few weeks ago also you could just go out there and simply buy a lactate meter like the lactate meter I was we were using yesterday is one that's just bought and they're about um, 500 bucks in New Zealand probably about 300 US um, or probably about 300 quid if you're in English yep. um, and then you can just do your own testing and you can just match up you know maybe team up with a couple of people very simple you just follow that protocol get on the treadmill the few little things you got to watch out for you know just when you do the pinprick, you got to get a little. Um, <laughs> it's a bleeder. <laughs> you got to get a little drop of blood out first, clean it off, and then take a little blood sample. So there's a few little protocol issues, but uh, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. So there you go. That's our. So there you go. Coach's corner. Coach's corner with that fantastic country music. Oh, I love the yeehaw. Yeehaw. So right here, last up, we've got questions and answers. So first of all, we had a question from Matthew Cowdry. Cowdry. Yeah. Right? And uh, what's he asking? He's asking. In the middle of a, uh, he's asking about he's, he's didn't read asking it. about um, whether he should purchase a power meter. Okay, so this kind of goes in the coach's so, corner. So he's basically saying he likes the gear and he's he's not lacking the gear. He's got pretty much everything you can have. Um, he's just wondering if you should actually step up and is it worth it? Yeah, and, I mean the thing is, um, power meters are bloody expensive. Yeah, so you've got to be pretty serious and uh, and you've got to be a bit of a gadget freak and you've got to like analysing your your training sessions. Yep. So if you don't like using a heart rate monitor and you never use a heart rate monitor and you think you're going to get a power meter and it's going to revolutionize your training, chances are probably not. Power meters are very, very good, but you've got to be quite anal about things. You've got to analyze your workouts. You've got to compare your workouts and things like that. So if you just like training and you don't like gadgets, then power meters are probably not going to be... Um, no. they're, they're, still going to, they're still going to help, but they're probably, you're probably not going to get your value for money out of them. Um, the way what where power meters um, become very very valuable is comparing things over a long period of time um, doing intervals pacing yourself early in the race not hammering hills so it's you know it's very much a pace control method and uh, what people often find when they go and get one is they realize that they are pushing far too hard all oh, the doors swinging wide open whoa, in the Ironman studio back it up <laughs> um, so so Matthew, if you are financially, it's not a big deal for you to get a power meter, I'd say yes. Um, there's various different websites out there that you can uh, have a look at. Um, Actually, uh, this is going to be a website a week in a couple of weeks, but they've got a really great review on the different types of power meters on hmm. bikereview.com or something like that. We'll make it a website of the week next week. Yeah. Which, um, and uh, they had a review of the Polar one. Yep. Um, I think Ergamo. Ergamo, SRM. Yeah, and the SRM. I'll just quickly go through the different types you've got. SRM are the, the most expensive and they're most well, big. Mo- more, isn't it? Uh, I think SRM's more. If you get the top SRM, oh, okay. um, it's the most expensive and it's generally considered to be the best. Yep. Ergamo um, is in your cranks uh, and that's they've improved a lot and apparently it's very good now and power tap is in your rear wheel yep. and again they've improved a lot as well they've sort of got a cable free system now and then polar is probably based the, on your chain based on your chain and, and it's it, not very good apparently, apparently it's um not the greatest i haven't haven't used it myself but it's based on your chain tension and, and there's a lot of variables that can muck up your power yeah, apparently range, so. apparently if you change chains yeah and, and it's not very good on an indoor trainer too so we're going to get um going to get some some power gurus in here to give some real um, specific advice for you guys in the future um, yep. but what I'd say is yes the power meters are very very useful but only uh, I think if you're going to be really analytical about your training it's, it's not, uh, I think that's the way to go yeah yeah totally um, although it sounds like you're a gear geek so it sounds, <laughs> sounds like you probably want to get it so um, next up we had from Gary Fagan uh, I was, oh this is good yeah you, you, John asked last week about 
if the ITU guys were getting much coverage in the UK because they had done so well in the World Champs. Mm. And uh, Gary wrote to us. Gary wrote to us and said, pretty much not. He said, there's going to be some highlights on the TV. Um, he says, unless it's Wendy, Wendy Ball, I haven't heard that one before, which is uh, obviously a nickname for football, soccer, then yep. the dude gets very little coverage. So it's a shame because we were just sort of interested to know. Um, in New Zealand, you know, the coverage is massive. Yeah. Um, and that's what I've just found that you know anywhere else in the world. It's, Although it's I have to say, I listened to a podcast from the UK called Fighting Talk. It's a um, just some kind of comedians talking about sport, and he yeah. did get a mention in that. I oh, did. He? Yeah, yeah, because they're oh, talking about um, yeah. So yeah, I was impressed. And there's a BBC um, sporting. It's a comedy type show, but it was so uh, yeah. So he did get a mention in that. So oh, very good. There you go. Uh, we've got uh, from Mark Stenning, and he's just saying that. Uh, drop me alone on the oh now this is really cool this is what I love about our show is that we you know we have a big community out there and these type of things come through Mark Stenning was the man who came second behind Jim Busnick in UK yeah yeah, yeah. and so he sent us for an email and he was saying um, his view was that people should elect to race either he basically kind of agreed with what we we're saying that he believes that you should either be a pro or an age grouper within a calendar year um, and this needs to be enforced by national governing bodies and WTC um, and particularly WTC, they need to say that this is the rule. And then, again, this is just something they just don't seem to have rules, do they? No, you know, it's no. like the drafting rule. It's one race to another. We we like rules. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just think you know, if you know the rules, you know the rules. Exactly. Um. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So he's just really interesting having his. He was saying he wasn't gutted that Jim raced as an age gripper. Um, he felt he had a really good race, and that's all that mattered. Um, but he thinks he wants to stop. It's a good idea to stop people's Picking and choosing as a pro. Um, anything else he's got here? Uh, number of age groupers in the race. He also sort of states that um, it's not just the pros that are doing it as well. He sort of says that there's plenty of age groupers that go and enter as pros just so they can get into a particular race, you know, that's full. Yeah, because, yeah that was um, a really good point, actually. And we've actually mentioned that on the show. Because, yeah, yeah. Like, if you can't get into Canada, enter as a pro. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and, you, and then you can get in. Yeah. Um, so that, that was a really good point. And one thing he did say, because I wrote back to him and I asked him if um, he qualified because he wasn't really sure, I wasn't sure if he had, but he did yeah. qualify, so that was the cool thing. And then another thing I know somebody else did was uh, to get into one of the North American races, uh, somebody he had ancestry somewhere like Ireland or something like that, yeah. and so he got his Irish passport, and then he was able to enter the North American race as a foreigner. Oh, really? And so he could get in that angle. So if you do have any long lost relatives, yeah. and you can get a second passport. I guess that's another way into races. He did say he also felt it backfired on Jim a little bit because he would have made a bit of money. So mm. you know, because he probably would have. He, well, he, he, he got third, third, third yeah. didn't he? So it'd be a few so, grand. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, but really, thanks for that, Mark. It was really nice to have your perspective being the man so close to the situation and who it affected probably the most, to be honest. Yeah. Because you, know? you would have been the age grouper and winner, so. You could have been our age grouper of the week. Well, maybe actually, actually. Back it up. Back it up. <laughs> back it up, Mark. Because we got rid of Jim because he was cheated. So <laughs> so you've been uh, uh, age grouper inducted of the week. into the age group of the week for several weeks ago. Go so on to the website this week. I'll put you on there as well. You congratulations. Your, your oh, see, you don't need to win. You've made it now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> give up. Retire. Oh, give up. Righty-ho. So uh, we also got an email from Dave Remy now. <laughs> we needed this earlier than last week. But he was saying that um, last week, Dave Remy was the guy who had the really good race plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a wiki on that. Do you know what a wiki is? No. No, I didn't think you would. So anyway, <laughs> um, and uh, it went down. But he just changed his computer around. And for some reason, while he was doing that, he lost the information or he had it in the wrong place. So he's got that back up there. So that's sh- uh, pretty sure it's the same email address. So it's, it's on our show links page. So if you go to Ironman Talk 
.com and then you go to our links page, you'll find it there. And uh, yeah, so if you're going into an Ironman race, go look at this and actually just copy it, paste it, and then uh, use it for yourself because it's it's a really good race plan. And it's really thorough and it's a really creative way that just makes it easy for you to be organized on leading up to the race and on the day of the race. So he's also talking about a race that he's got coming up this weekend, uh, Black Diamond Half Ironman. Mm. And uh, so bring it on. Yeah, bring on the Black Diamond. The Black Diamond. Black Diamond. So yeah, so good on. Uh, what else we got there? Your last one there from... Uh, oh, the old, the old Pirates, because the Pirates sent us an email. They got, they're on the Runner's World Forum, and uh, which is really cool. It's a good forum, and they've, they've mentioned probably, oh, real far back, probably Ironman 6, Ironman Talk 6 or something like that. And they sent us some emails telling us about Germany, and I was just asking how they went, and he told me, one thing that was interesting about Germany was that a few of the guys didn't do the swim cutoff because they couldn't wear wetsuits. Oh, right. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, you wouldn't really think of that, would you? Yeah, no, yeah. it's a tricky one. That'd break your heart, wouldn't it? Because you'd obviously know that you're around that time, but you think, oh, the wetsuit will get me through it. And you're saying how a couple of the guys didn't make it through. But a few of the guys did actually end up qualifying for Hawaii, which was really cool. And, uh, yeah, so it was great to see those guys doing really well. And, uh, yeah, thanks for that. It is a toughie when you've got the old non-wetsuit. I mean, for the strongest swimmers, it probably slows you down, you know, a good five minutes or so. Yep. But for the weakest swimmers who are struggling to make the cutoff, it's like curtains. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very, very tricky. Yeah. So, uh, and it's unfortunate at a time when, like Hawaii, you know you haven't got a wetsuit. Yeah. So at least you know that, okay, this is the deal. Although that must be tough, although I imagine lots of people who swim 220 aren't really qualifying for Hawaii. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder if in Hawaii you get less people doing, this, doing well in the swim because there's so many slots. Like, I wonder if it's got a, more, a bigger ratio of people not making the cutoff. Because uh, no, I think most in Hawaii, most people make the cutoff. I think you, the only people that probably miss out would be the um, people who maybe have got lottery slots. Yeah, the that's very, what I mean. All the very, very yeah. old people. Yeah. But um, I think Florida's a non-wetsuit swimmer, isn't it? I'm not quite sure. Oh, um, there's not that many Ironmans around the world that are non-wetsuit swims. And it's just happened that Germany is normally a wetsuit swim. Um, but this year, just because of the heat, and the heat waves sort of that, that went across Europe, then it was a, just make the, made the cutoff. So, mm, so, so yeah. Um, okay, then. So, it's pretty much. So, Bevan, what are you up to later in this week? Well, it's a big <laughs> week this week because Chombo and I are doing a huge weekend training ride. We're going to ride to uh, Queenstown, which is how far away is it? About 500 kilometres. So, that's uh, how many miles is that? It's a lot. It's about <laughs> 10,000 miles. Yeah. So, um, we're, we're riding there and we're going to leave on Friday. And we're, how long do you think it's going to take? I'm thinking first day, we're going we're gonna to be looking at around about 10 hours, I think. It's 260Ks, but it's quite a tricky 260Ks, and uh, road surface is pretty crap. So I think it'll be 10 hours ride, 10 hours total, mm -hmm. um, hopefully around about 9 hours ride time. Yeah. Um, we'll see. So it's going to be a long day. So we're, we're doing we're, that on the Friday, and then on Saturday morning, we're going to wake, <laughs> wake doubling up. Doubling it up. Doubling it up, backing it up. And, and we're, uh, two, we're, doing, we're doing about 240, but it's quite a tricky 240. And the second day will be the harder, won't it? Yeah, very rolling. Um, quite a few hills, a few passes to go over. And then at the end, you've got a real, few real tricky hills as well. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, as we come into Queenstown. But um, it's a nice view down there when you arrive, and it's beautiful scenery. We're just hoping we're not going to get dive, by, dive bombed by too many magpies. Um, in New Zealand, we have these birds. They're a bit like ravens, I guess, maybe a touch smaller. And they dive bomb you. Yeah, you they get, literally you, attack they have, you. And they've got big beaks. And uh, people sometimes do get cuts, yeah. and they literally they they hover above you. Um, what? 
<laughs> and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you hear this whack on your helmet, and uh, it's magpies, and they don't just hit you once, they keep coming back for more. Yeah, yeah, they really do. So we're a bit worried about that. Because and the worst thing is, you're riding along, because when you're riding, you're in your, your own little mind state, you've got your eyes on the road, and you don't see them coming, so you just bang on your helmet. Oh, very scary. <laughs> it really does, and the worst, you don't think about cars, and you swerve it over, and... So, yeah. so Bevan and I probably aren't going to have too much chat time because we're no. basically going to be lapping it out for uh, probably doing maybe 10 to 15 minute pulls. This is one thing that amazes me, and this maybe just should be a discussion, is that John doesn't like to listen to music. Oh. And uh, um, I love my iPod. My iPod's my best friend when I'm training. Yeah. We, we like everybody listening to Iron Man talk on their iPods, but uh, other than that... You don't like it, eh? I'm not a music person. Yeah. So... Um, I just get in my little zone and just, just start tapping out the rhythm. I get bored shitless. <laughs> oh, I've got the iPod from the start to the finish. So it's going to be lapping it out. So a couple of a couple of tips for Bevan. This is his first um, sort yep. of big training experience. Number one is to lube up nicely in the morning. Um, I've got that experience. <laughs> I've learned that a long time ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> buy good lube too. Don't probably, buy the cheap shit. Probably one thing is uh, also... Um, because the show's a little bit short here, I'm going to give a few yeah, little, few little tips. Um, probably one mistake that uh, Gordo and I made on our first really big uh, bike expedition is we went really hard out at breakfast and we just ate so much and we didn't end up eating till you know two to three hours into the ride because just we were because so you're full. full. Yeah. Um, so that's another little tip for Bevan is, is have a good sized breakfast, but uh, we need to be starting eating pretty early in the ride. You yep. know, um, an hour and a half, hour and a half or so in um, to get started. Uh, getting into a regular eating pattern for us we need to be planning our hydration pretty well um, it isn't hot over here at the moment but because of the nature of New Zealand we are only going to be going through uh, places where we can fill up our bottles probably every uh, couple of hours two yep. to three hours some places we could go sort of three hours where we can't fill up um, so we need to have that sort of fairly well planned uh, carrying three drink bottles you know and just uh, carrying more than we need Definitely carrying at least three spare tyres. Um, I'm not waiting for you if you get more than three gunches. Uh, and then probably... Uh, it's a long run. It's, it's a long run. Put cycle shoes on. <laughs> and then probably the other key thing is going to be our recovery. As, as soon as we finish sessions, um, my lovely wife will be there and we'll be uh, hitting the protein pretty hard, pretty quickly, hydrating pretty quickly. And uh, as much as we will want to eat junk food after that first day, um, try to keep the junk food limited and go for really nutritious foods because that will set us up nicely for the next day. And uh, having a good stretch, legs up the wall, and uh, and then having a good sleep. And I don't think we'll have too much problem having a good sleep that night. No, I think you'll crash. Won't well, we? you're going to be in the backpackers. You'll probably try. I'm in the backpackers in a room with like 27 people. Oh, Christ. Oh, we had these, no, these nice double rooms booked, and Bevan goes, no, I'm, I'm just going to go in the backpackers. So. Oh, well, yeah. There's a bit more to this story, but let's just stop it Balance in the relationships. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so uh, that's pretty much our show for this week oh and uh, oh no it isn't no, no, <laughs> no I'm wrong he's back it up uh, not next week uh, the week after yeah this when is I'm really back, cool uh, we're going to have a nutritionist in with us and what we're going to discuss is uh, how to sort of calculate your your Ironman day nutritional requirements and sort of there's a few formulas you can work on so we've got a, a girl called Emily Miazga coming in um, now Emily is an amazing athlete by herself she's one uh, a big probably a multi-sport event in New Zealand which is called the Coast to Coast where they go from one west coast of the South Island to the east coast of the South Island in one day it's kind of like an Ironman event it's a little bit longer and they do um, run, bike, kayak Yeah. and uh, she won that last year and she's also done really well as, as an adventure racer around the world in yeah. many races and so she's an athlete living it so she kind of knows what we experience and mm. uh, and she's also a nutritionist yep 
and she's also got a cookie business power cookies endless power cookies so if you guys have got questions we don't want general nutrition questions but if you've got any specific race race day questions um maybe just pop us an email and we'll see if we can fit those in i might not be able to fit them all in but uh, we'll, we'll get Emily in. Um, pretty sure it's going to be the week after next. If yep. it's not, it'll be soon after that. We've just got to sort these bloody microphones out and make yep. sure they're working well. Yep. Um, and we'll try and get Em back later on at some stage just to talk more about sort of general nutrition and, and uh, you, you know during training days and things like that. So that should be pretty cool. And I'll uh, jack up a few more interviews in the coming months. Got a few more leads to follow up on. Yep, we'll try and it should be good. Ben. Sorry? Ben on. Yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to write to the president of WTC. Yeah, see if I, I'd love it if they come on. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm not going to get too much of a response, but we'll see what happens. Hey, well, they know that we have over 20,000 listeners. <laughs> Talk it up. <laughs> 20 million listeners. Um, and so what do you got on for the rest of the week then before we go on our big ride? Well, I've had my little 5.5K this morning, swim yep. this morning, and uh, just catching up on work. Not too much training, just sort of... Being on top of things because when we get like down, this five and a half k little swim. Yeah, yeah. Swim coach returned today from uh, from over world the champs, world champs, yeah. and he just hit us with a five and a half k, two k straight in the middle. Wow. Um, but then, yeah, I'm uh, looking to get all my work done so next week I can have a bit of R and R, and because uh, I go down to Queenstown, then Bevan turns around, and he's getting on a bus or something to come back. And, pick a uh, ride, <laughs> pick, pick a ride. And uh, I'm staying down there for a week, and I'm going to have a day skiing, and uh, also going to check out the course for Challenge Queenstown. Oh, cool! So if any of you guys, I'm going to take the old uh, polar down, and I'll be able to get, uh, print out a or put a on my website a, a profile of the bike course because it is going to be a pretty challenging bike course, and uh, so then people can check that out. Check, 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 check it check, out. Check, check it out. Oh, that's all good, mate. What um, about you? Uh, what have I got on? Well, I'm having a kind of a lighter week because of our weekend coming up. So today we're not doing a big ride. I'm going to jump on the bike, do a couple of hours now, and then a bit of a swim later on. And then what have I got on for the week? Eh, not much, really. Although I tell you, I have to do something pretty exciting. I was on eBay the other day. I bought something on eBay, as you do. And uh, the response from the guy was saying, I love the podcast. <laughs> Mate. Oh, I couldn't believe it. Felt like a superstar. What did you buy on eBay? Happy saying triathlon related, was it? Oh, I don't know. It's just some crap. But, um, <laughs> but the thing was, he knew the podcast. Oh, mate. You're oh, famous. Yeah, well, you know, I am now because I can claim it. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Bevan James, I host and John Newsome. Superstars. <laughs> superstars. Tom Cruise, who? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, that's pretty much our show for this week. If you guys have any email, geez, we added on another 10 minutes here by talking crap. That's sensational. <laughs> um, if you guys. It's in the industry, it's called padding. padding. We call it, we'll call it padding. Padding, How do you know the industry show. talk? Oh, mate, I know. I know oh, we're everything. obviously in the industry, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so, anyway, uh, imantalk.com for the show notes for this week. Um, also, we, if you want to email us any questions, you go to imantalk at gmail.com and email us any questions through. If you have anything else, go to our blog, which is, you have to go to our website to link to the blog for this week's question, which, what was the question again? So on drafting. Drafting, okay, yep. And then lastly, you guys get out there and train well, and we'll get back to you next week. John will be, this time he'll be in the room with the girlfriend, mm. and or the wife. Wife. And I'll be at home on Skype, and uh, we'll have our show for next week, and uh, you guys train well, and catch up next week. See you. See you.